this guy, this this reality TV bully, is our president. You know, it's, it's like shocking. a waking, it's a waking nightmare. Yeah, exactly. You never you, you hear those stories of people who wake up from a nightmare and they can't move. Yes, that's what it is. Welcome to a conversation on tap, a new podcast that seeks to promote intelligent dialogue in an age of echo chambers and self-segregation. Pull up a stool, pour a glass of tasty beer, and join us each week as we talk about all the topics that you were told not to discuss in polite company. My name is Joel. And I'm Jose. And this week we will talk about Trump. Or shall we do... Yeah. Or it, yeah. Sad okay. music. <laughs> yeah. But before we do that, though. Jokes on us. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Um, before we jump into talking about Trump, we should probably begin by talking about what we have on tap. Yes. So, I am going to open this beer now with my wedding ring. Oh, wow. If you haven't learned that yet, no. you must learn that. Your bone develops a callus. Uh-huh. Your bone? Your bone. It actually hurts the first few times you do it, but it's worth it because, man, so many times, especially camping, when you need to open up a glass bottle with your ring. So learn it, Jose. I need to learn it. So we're drinking M Special. It's a California... American lager. Can you, do you know anything about this? Yeah, because we, um, on the way to my son's dorms in UCSB, saw this place right on off the side of the overpass, right on Stork in Goleta. And we're like, whoa, there's a beer place down there. We went down there, and they have all these great uh, food trucks and all this super cool Great beer and super super cool vibe. And man, if you're driving through Goleta, stop at M Special. The beer is outstanding. And we have sort of had this tradition of, of elevating um, lagers. And this, because we're getting old, mm-hmm. me especially, and my belly can't take these heavy ales anymore. Besides, I can't stand all this IPA craziness. And, and so we've got another lager here today, M Special Lager, M Special out of Goleta. I wish I knew why they call themselves M Special. It, I don't. Does it say, doesn't but, say. What does um, it say about the lager? So it basically just says that this is um, a classic lager dedicated to those who work hard and play hard. That's a nod to UCSB. <laughs> I, yeah. I think it, it also says it's um, made with only the finest combination of malted barley, fresh hops, and yeast, creating sparkle and flavor, which I totally agree with. Yeah. It's You've got these little bubbles that keep yeah. sparkling it's up. Champagne. Very champagne. Yeah. Um, it says it's aged to perfection to provide a balanced, unbeatable flavor. Yeah. It's everything an American lager it's should be. It's just, just so drinkable. And... Um it doesn't have, it's just lager. It's straight up lager. It's not different like that uh, Santa Maria Brewer lager called, yeah. I always forget the name of that, which has got a funky flavor, but I like it because it's different. But this is just straight up lager. Tastes like a Budweiser pretty much. Yeah, it's it's good. It's it's um, 4.7. It's got a yep. 4.7% alcohol content. Yep. yep. But go to the, uh, go to the tasting room or whatever they call that. The, I don't think... Yeah, they do brew there. The brew house and um, eat good Filipino food. Hopefully that truck is there. Oh, nice. And um, eat or drink this great, great um, brewer's beer. Yeah. they got other brews as well, and they're pretty creative in their names, like Lazy Eye, which is a double IPA, the Great Land Special, Dozer Special, Sabato Tarde Special. I, I, there's a whole bunch of them, so you'll, Cheers. you'll enjoy it. Heck yeah, it's all good. I, I, Cheers. can tout um, their beers because I've tried them all. Yay. Go to hell after picking the glass off the ground. 
So, Fred Talks. In this segment of our show, Joel and I will each share one thing that we are passionate about for two minutes, though we tend to be a bit loquacious, especially me, unfortunately, so that isn't a strict time limit. Uh, This week, Joel will be discussing... I'm going to talk about the wettest spot on Earth, and wettest is a funny word, so Mm -hmm. we'll just not... we'll skip over that. And uh, my continuation of the Hawaii theme, they always talked about the highest mountain on the island being the wettest spot on earth. And it was such a disappointment to hear that that's not really true. And so the the, the spot on Kauai that's supposed, that they all tell everyone is the wettest spot on earth. And it might be like second or third. It's called Mount Waialeale. Oh, wow. And um, Say that 10 times fast. Yeah. Yeah, the typical Hawaiian, tons of vowels. <laughs> uh, but the real uh, wettest spot on Earth happens to be in north uh, northeast India, and it's called, if I can say this right, Ma Sainram, and it has 11 meters a year. I think that wow. Waialeale has something like, I've heard that it's about 30 feet a year, which, uh, you know, loses out by... What three or four feet? Eleven meters probably turns out to be about thirty-four feet or so. No, thirty-five or thirty-six probably. Anyway, so it's kind of interesting. We always talk about the highest spot on Earth and and the lowest spot and the deepest spot in the ocean and all these things, but nobody ever talks about this sad statistic that just feels so left out. The wettest spot on Earth. The wettest spot. The moistest spot. <laughs> Moist. I Is that, that not a lot of PM? Because it should be. It should be. I hate that word. Oh, it's just nasty. So speaking of wettest, though. My brother and his fiance and I have been round and round and round over whether or not water is wet. What? Of course it's wet. That's what I always say. Water is wet. But my brother says, no, something that is water cannot be wet. Because it needs to have like a, something that opposes it? I guess so. But I'm like, well, yeah. water is in a state of being wet. Yeah. I, Interesting. That's a that's a funky, very. That's like I don't know, chicken and egg and immovable object yes, and so. everything. Oh man! So go to uh, Ma Sinrum, I guess, yeah. and have that conversation because yeah. it's the wettest place on earth. Absolutely. Right? It's funny because uh, the word in Hawaiian for rich is Y Y. Um, because in Hawaii, when water is riches, you know, and so uh, Y Ali Ali means rippling water. Y mm-hmm. is at the beginning of the word. Eh, just a little tidbit to throw that's in there. Cool. I love that you always do. Hawaii because I've never been. Oh, we're going to go together someday. It's going to be so fun. Dude, we should go and when we're famous. We're going this year so if you want to just, if you can yeah. just swing it. Dude, okay. we could go and do a, a live oh. conversation on tap from Hawaii. Heck That'd yeah. Awesome. And they have the southernmost brewery in the United States. Really? So, yeah. So we would That's hit that place up. Nice. In Waimea. All right. So what are you doing today? This Is it going to be hopefully religious? Yes, and we've Good. kind of already touched on this before, but in this week's Fred Talk, I'm going to discuss hell. Hell yes. <laughs> Which is perfect because our main topic is Trump, so I feel like I'm in hell. But basically what got me interested in this topic was Pope Francis recently had an interview with a 93-year-old Italian journalist in Italy who was an atheist. And the journalist, in his article, asserted that Pope Francis denied the existence of hell. Which, when I read that, as somebody who can't stand the idea of of some people's idea of hell, I was elated. I'm like, that's just one more feather in that guy's cap. I love that guy. So, are you going to burst my bubble? I'm going to burst your bubble. But but it's not as bad, because we already talked. I mean, let's be honest. I could not wait to get to you on this one. Oh, good. Yeah, because I, I was like, whoa, right on. I wonder what Jose has to say about this. So, basically, Pope Francis has talked about hell many times, and the Vatican was very quick to come out 
and refute the journalist's um, oh, claim. Yeah. They, were, they were quick. <laughs> they were quick because that's a central tenant. Of, yeah, that's faith, huge. Right? But the journalist basically doesn't do any, doesn't take any notes, doesn't record, and so he recounts and reconstructs everything from memory. Yeah. So right off the bat, that's an issue. I'm 48 and my memory is going, he's what? 93? <laughs> yeah, that's a bad sign. But I would say this. Pope Francis probably did not, well, not probably, he did not deny the existence of hell. What he probably denied was the version of hell that is in our popular collective imagination, right? Okay. The idea of fire and brimstone, caverns with demons and, you know, lavas of fire. And, yeah. And, and I maintain that that used to be the church's position, and they've evolved on it. And I don't know if you believe that or not. I would argue that that's been like the... Especially in the medi- medieval times. I would say that's the visual yeah. idea of hell that they communicated. Like you were saying, like in glass so. windows and arts and all that. Mm-hmm. Because in the Bible, they reference the fire of Gehenna and... Yeah. All like throwing people out into the dark and with gnashing of teeth and mm-hmm. so, but those are all intended to be metaphors, right? To convey the idea of hell being a place of torture. So it's just as bad as being tortured. Right, but not in the popular imagination right. that we right. have created. It's it almost like mental torture rather than physical torture. Mental, or I guess you could say spiritual Spiritual, torture. okay, gotcha, yeah. But it's, so it's not a literal place. We tend to think of hell as being a place beneath the earth, some subterranean place with demons and pitchforks and red suits and whatnot. But really that kind of originated with Dante's Inferno. And of course that kind of took hold. And whenever people think of the devil, right? We have the popular Halloween costumes. and Sure. But the church doesn't teach that hell is a literal place or that there's even like flames or, you know what I mean? Like it's instead what the church teaches is that hell is an eternal separation from God. Right. So that in itself would be torture. See, now as somebody coming from a materialist angle, I would say, well, if it's, I don't care about any of that stuff as long as if I'm happy in hell without being in the presence of God or whatever, then fine. And if I um, am in pain somehow, even if I don't know, or see, this is the thing. It's almost like, do we know we're in pain or not? Like, I'm, I'm very like, I want to get right to the point. And to me, this is like so central mm-hmm. to the whole idea of religion, you know? Right. And this is definitely one of the main stumbling blocks for me in religion is the idea of hell. I'm like, hell no am I going to believe in a religion if somebody's trying to scare me into believing in it right and you you mentioned something that I really liked about that so to go to that point though I would say if you're a Christian and you're only believing in God because you're afraid to go to hell then you're not a person of faith. You're someone who is superstitious. Yeah. So I like that idea, the idea of superstition, because it's fear-driven. It's fear-driven. Yeah. When you're a Christian, your path should be of love, right? You want to walk with Christ in imitation of Christ, and your goal should be following the commands Christ. One, love God. To love your neighbor. Love it. And if that should be your goal, your goal should not be like, well, I'm afraid I'm going to go to hell, so I'm going to do all these things. Well, yeah. you're coming from a wrong place. If loving my neighbor means loving God, I love it. Yeah. And I love the idea that it's a superstition because it's like you're either looking backward or looking forward. Right. And so that's not it at all. And so I listened to an interview with Sarah Silverman earlier, and she said, well, I can't imagine... 
God sending people to hell, condemning people to hell because there's the image of God being, you know, love. God is love, right? Yeah. So how could God send people to hell? Well, God doesn't send people to hell, right? So God basically loves us, right? To the extent where he respects our free will, right? right? So if you, choose, if you choose to live your life separated from God, well, then that will be how you will live the afterlife. I'll quote um, Paul from 2 Thessalonians 1.9. These will pay the penalty of eternal ruin, separated from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. So in other words, if you live your life totally selfishly, if you live your life in a way that's contrary to basically God's commands, if you live your, which basically is to love one another, if you live your life in greed, corruption, all these other things, then you're living your life for yourself. And if you're living for yourself, then you are separated from God. And so that's how you'll spend eternity. And that once you cross into the next plane of existence, right, and you're going to reach your judgment, yeah, that's you've, you've lived your life in such a way to where you will continue to live your life separated from God. Only in this case, you will know you're separated from God. You know what? And I want to say one more thing. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, the, the idea of God doesn't matter to me at all. Mm-hmm. If God didn't exist, but heaven and hell did, I, I would only care about heaven and hell. This is mm-hmm. because I'm selfish. And, and I, of course, want to live forever. Right. And so, like, I can imagine a heaven and hell without God. And and if, like, if God's the only way to get there, I would, you know, I would do whatever I could. To... Right. But I, I just want to end on this note here. At the beginning, I said Pope Francis um, was accused of denying hell. And he has multiple times affirmed the teaching. And I think it's really telling. He says this, he, he being Satan, wanted God's place and God wanted to forgive him. But he said, I don't need your forgiveness. I am enough. I am good enough. This is hell, right? It's telling God, you take care of yourself because I'll take care of myself, right? God doesn't send you to hell. You go there because you chose to be there. Hell is wanting to be distant from God because I do not want God's love. So in other words, what he's saying is, and this is the unforgivable sin, basically saying, I'm going to live for myself. I don't need anyone. I don't need God. I don't need anyone else in my community. I don't need my neighbor. I am totally 100% self-sufficient. Yeah. And I think that is something that's ingredient to the American culture, unfortunately. And it has so much to do with what we were talking about uh, today. And it is so weird constantly in my life how if I substitute the word good for God, Mm -hmm. it makes so much more sense to me (laughs) the way you talk about it, especially. It's weird. You got to read Pope Francis. His his exhortation came out, and I've been reading it. I'm almost done. And again, time and again, it's God's grace. It's you need to start living your now, life in love. Grace to me means like mercifulness. Yes, basically. Yeah. And I think people criticize Pope Francis for yeah. focusing so much on mercy. Yeah, like, I love. I can't but, believe they don't like that. What are they? They want like punishment. They're, they're basically modern day Pharisees. It's right? like, yeah, Puritans yeah. worried about someone somewhere in the world who's having fun. You exactly. Know? Right. So it, it, that, that's, I think, uh, Pope Francis is putting the focus right where it belongs. And that's. Oh, I love the guy. Yeah. Love him. All right. 
So today, speaking of hell, we're going to talk about the devil incarnate and <laughs> Trump. And I want to start, Jose, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. by introducing this idea that I had from the start, yeah. which is where are all these, I guess, fundamentalists who totally believe in in Satan coming down to earth, right? right? And these guys are way more likely to be Trump supporters. When? These guys, yeah, who believe in the Antichrist coming down to earth mm-hmm. and shaking things up. Exactly. I mean, is that not Trump? So, can we, if you don't mind, like, separate Trump into certain, like, themes of the deadly sins? Like sins? Yeah. Yes, I think so. Because, It'll be I mean... to talk about each thing. Yeah. He is... He's the devil incarnate. I think there's a lot of... (laughs) See, that's the thing. Trump is so well regarded in the Christian... A lot of Christian circles, right? Yeah. Shocking. Which is shocking. But then it leads me to believe if Christ were to actually return, he would be considered a communist, some radical... Thank you so much. He would be murdered again. Thank you so much for bringing up this other theme, which is that, is there anyone who you can think of historically who is so antithetical to Trump? Can you think of anybody? Jesus Exactly, 100%. 100%. It is so trippy. Okay, and the other theme I want to totally bring out on this episode, if we're going to talk about Trump, is this surreality of Mm -hmm. our life nowadays. This is maybe the most shocking thing that's ever happened to me in my life. It's like a dream or a nightmare. It's a nightmare. It's weird. And I don't think people have plumbed the depths of this, of where we've gone. This is shocking. We have... We have a charlatan yes. in the highest position on earth, which suggests so strongly the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't believe in that as an agnostic, but I mean, where are all the evangelicals and fundamentals um, saying Trump's the Antichrist? It doesn't make sense that they're not no. just... So really, at first, we should talk about the fact that in the 2015 primaries, Trump threw his hat in the ring and he was going to run. Well... We, you know, I Joel, we we were like, oh, pff, he's not even going to win the um, Republican primary. Of course, it was it just was like a ludicrous. joke. But we were all having lunch with one of our colleagues, and bless her heart, she said, "Well, what if Trump wins?" I'm like, no. Well, but but beyond that, she actually thought there was a good chance mm-hmm. real early, and I poo pooed her. Oh, we both did. Yeah, it was so like what. And I don't know what she had, what wisdom she had to understand this is coming down the pike. I think she was looking at a worst case scenario. Yeah. She was worrying and, and God knows it came to pass. Because you and I, we're, we're pretty, we're political junkies. Yeah. And we, totally we study this stuff and we read these all the time, read articles and study all the issues. And to us, it was like, no, there's no way. The, the Republican establishment will step in, they'll end it. And they certainly tried. Yeah. But... Trump was able to reach a certain base of voters who did not care. No, he really did. And I would be remiss if I didn't, um, if we both didn't talk about Hillary's role in this. Mm -hmm. And the idea that some people say, well, it's all because of Hillary. All right. Even if you believe that Hillary was just awful, she's not even in the universe of Trump. Not even close. I mean, 
especially in her knowledge of policy. She is right. so good in her just knowledge of, of, of course, as the Secretary of State and as the First Lady. Senator. Senator and how things work and being able to work with Congress and just knowing about stuff. And having Bill Clinton in the White House yeah. as a resource. Yeah. But you, so this is where I have to come down 100% on the liberals who absolutely could not vote for Hillary. So they either voted for Trump or they voted for, what was his name, Gary Johnson, or they sat out the election or they voted for someone else like um, Gloria Stein. But they did themselves a huge disservice. It's like, I couldn't vote for Hillary. Look, politics is not about voting for the best, the most ideal, right? Yeah. It's about who, what are your options? No, it's really about the lesser of two evils. Yes. It's, yeah. You got to be so hard nosed about it. And so people like Susan Sarandon enrage me. Oh my God. Because they would much rather see Trump in office than vote for someone like Hillary. It's so crazy. Oh, we could go on forever. We about could. That. It's, oh, it's so, so what did you do, by the way? I don't know. Maybe you have. I'm drunk, so I can't remember. The <laughs> night that he was um, elected. Do you remember what you did? I stayed up the whole night. So actually, well, I went to go visit Christina's dad because he had knee surgery. Oh. Uh, and my phone died. Oh. So I got out to my car and started found out about my what phone. time? Like it had eight, eight, nine o'clock. Yeah, and, I and you knew at that point. And I was like, I turned the phone on. I looked at the electoral college, and I was like, We lost. Holy sh! And you knew at that point. I knew immediately. And what did lost. your heart do? Did I you just sank. take a dive? I wanted to puke. Yeah, because by that point, I was like, We lost. Yeah, there's no way we could turn Dude, back. We should. Is it this is on you? Might want to include that. I'll include this. Holy. And then, because this is the kind of what I also want to put, because I got so jumpy, and I'm not this way. I got so jumpy and nervous. I I took a super brisk walk, wow, uh, like five times around this neighborhood, around the courthouse, and and I couldn't stop walking. I had to like get rid of all this crazy bad wow. energy. So I got, I got home and I was watching the returns and I knew that it was too late, no matter what happened. And um, yeah, I ended up staying up until like. I forget, like four thirty, five o'clock yeah. in the morning, to watch um, Me too. his acceptance speech. Me too. I, I, I forced myself to, and and then at like at four in the morning, I got in the jacuzzi and I just sat there and suffered. I remember I that. I, I, cry. I remember thinking at the time how it was so perfectly parallel in a one hundred and eighty degree mm-hmm. um, manner to Obama's election oh, and yeah. how oh, elated yeah. I thought this is exactly how happy I was in in a in in and this is how sad I was compared to how happy I was for totally. Obama. I cried for Obama and I cried for Trump. That's the thing, like when Obama was elected I was like, yes, good job America. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. And then yeah. when Trump was like Damn it, America! We went, you did we, it. We, yeah, yeah, you did it. You went backwards. Yeah. Wow, it was crazy. And you know what? This is good because I totally have no idea that I should say. I have no doubt that I'm right about this. Mm-hmm. You know, usually I'm like, yeah, I have to be a little humble, but not on this. This is where I'm just super prideful and kind of proud, and mm-hmm. and I'm super happy to have yeah. him as my enemy. I'm super proud to push him as my enemy uh, to anybody. Oh, I, I I agree with you 100. To me, this is just so objectively 
wrong yeah. and evil. Yeah. There's just no way around it. And yeah. the people who are willing to defend this, I'm like, what? How do you what? do it? How do you, how do you do that? Yeah, let's resume. Hard to. Let's fathom. resume the the deadly sins, if you will, of Trump. Yeah. We okay. want to start with bullying. Yeah. Let's start with bullying. How does he like events bullying? He seemed like a bully even back on The Apprentice to me. Yeah. His whole deal is he's a bully. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Oh, so man. I watched a Netflix special called Trump and American Dream, and I think there's four or five episodes. It's really good. Can't wait to watch it. And you see how even when, you know, he was in New York City with his early developments, he was a bully. Yeah. He thought he could just elbow his way in. He had money. He could throw money around. And he could just bully the city council. He could use his lawyers to sue the city and get his way. Okay, I'm going to bring up this theme a lot today. And there is a segment of the population who likes that for whatever reason. Oh, that guy's powerful and strong. You know what? That is the mark of a leader. Yes. That is not the mark of a leader. But, and that's the mark of a populace yeah. who would allow for the rise of a Hitler or a Mussolini or some kind of Putin-esque yeah, tyrant. Exactly. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why the, the founding fathers created a republic and not a direct democracy. Because yeah. they know that even the public, even the people, need a check. Okay, I totally agree. And let's recount some of his bullying. In his campaign, he actually exhorted the people in the crowd to beat up protesters mm-hmm. to resort to violence okay that's nutty totally nutty and then he even told one in one crowd he told them look if you beat him up I'll, I'll i'll pay for your legal fees and his wife is what's her main theme is oh yeah she's the she's the <laughs> anti-bullying czar or whatever this is this is the craziness mm-hmm. this is the surreality of this situation oh yeah okay how about him making fun of a handicapped Lady. Oh, God. Oh, the I handicapped mean, journalist? Yes. By, like, lifting his arm up. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was horrendous. And it, it, you could play that video over and over again, and Trump will make excuses. Well, I didn't know. No. He knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. And he is so fond of personal attacks. Mm-hmm. I he Nobody ever resorted to personal attacks before that, I remember. No. It was just like, no, we're not going to go to personal attacks. But that's his, like, that's his modus operandi. It is. And that was what was... Okay, I'll admit. It was so entertaining to watch the Republican (laughs) debates. Yeah. it was a show. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. They didn't know what to do. This guy's just, like, breaking all the rules. He is. Here's... What is it? Like, here's a lazy Jeb Bush, right? And then here's little Marco. Yeah. And there's Lion Ted. He had, like, an insult for everything. Yeah. And he was, like, making fun of Carly Fiorina's (laughs) face. Remember that? Carly Fiorina. He's actually making fun of people's looks. Yes. And people voted for this creature. Mm-hmm. But what was, what was crazy about that was that he dragged the whole debates down. Like, oh, yeah. as he recalled, it was... Oh, yeah. They started they doing started the same. insulting. Yeah. And that was Marco Rubio had his, like, small hands thing. Remember? Yeah. He's always calling me Little Marco. And I'll admit, the guy, he's taller than me. He's like 6'2", which is why I don't understand why his hands are the size of someone who's 5'2". Have you seen his hands? They're like this. And you know what they say about men with small hands? We got into how big the size of their dicks are. Yes, and Trump's like, I've got no problems down there. All right. And he referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee okay. The people who don't think this is surreal right. are not really plumbing the depths no. of where we are. They're not serious. Yeah. They're not. This is a dream. This is a crazy nightmare. But they're the ones 
they love Trump. They love his style. They love his quote unquote speaking what's on his mind, even though his mind is perverted and corrupted. But they're the ones who are going to be the most damaged by him. Yeah, they, the it's, average person, it's, the people who who live like Roseanne does on her show. Yeah. Exactly. They're the ones who are going to be the most affected. Yep, exactly. And um, the tax um, cuts are oh, yeah. going to hit them the hardest. The second deadly sin that we should talk about is racism. We've already talked about that a lot. But, I mean, the examples are just everywhere. The ubiquitous, and we've already recounted them. Go back to listen to our uh, racism shows. But we could talk about this Chicago. The, to me, the, the biggest example is this Chicago judge mm-hmm. who Trump said he couldn't hear his case because he was Hispanic. I mean, he right. did apologize, but I mean, I think that the first draft rules and that one was awful. Well, he said that, right? That, oh, he can't hear my case because he's Mexican. This judge is of Mexican heritage. I'm building a wall. Okay, I'm building a wall. I am going to do very well with the Hispanics, the Mexicans. So everybody. no Mexican judge could ever be involved in a case well, that involves you? Uh, he's a member of a society where, you know, very pro-Mexico, and that's fine. It's all fine. But Except I think, you're calling I think he should recuse himself. Well, how many people in this country come from Mexico, yeah. come from Russia, come from Ireland, on and on and on down the line? Are we going to cut all these people out because, you know, they're not from America first? Yep. So another amazing, I shouldn't say amazing, another horrific example of his um, racism was, of course, him equating the protesters in Charlottesville with the marchers. That was disgusting. Everything he does is disgusting. Why? It just, we can't, like, stop saying things are disgusting because we keep on saying it. And that's That's what's happening. And we're becoming numb to it. So what blew my mind was, here you have, this this is like an easy layup. Right? This is like a softball throw (laughs) to like Babe Ruth. Yeah. Easily knock it out of the park, right? Yeah. Condemning racists. How fing easy is that? Yeah. Condemning Nazis. Nope. Couldn't do it. There were flying people on both sides. Right? No. You know what? That's what kills me. Say what you said to me the other day about the people marching. How could you ever in your wildest dream imagine, even if you did have some noble cause. Right. Even if you were a fine person and you somehow found yourself on that side of the protests where you're amongst, you know, Confederate flag wavers and neo-Nazi, you know, swastika flag wavers. <laughs> you would go, what the sh-? Yeah, you're like looking around and like, where am I? Exactly. I'm going to get Trump the out of here. Yeah, he could not get that point, no. that center point. And, and th- you know what? A lot of people out there couldn't get that point, though. No. And here's another thing that I want to totally bring up. All right, people on the media are so hesitant to say it's the American people. They're the ones that voted for him. Mm-hmm. It's not just Trump. Okay, all you talking heads out there, okay, yeah, it's Trump. But the American people voted for him. Don't be wusses. And you need to say there's a certain segment of the United States that is just rotten to the core. So just one little qualification I'll make to that, though, is that the American people actually voted for Hillary Clinton. Oh, yes. Okay, let's get into that. By three million votes. Yeah. She won the popular vote by three million. Absolutely. Trump won because of the Electoral College. Right. And I think that, to me, is a sign that we need to get rid of the Electoral College. I'm not just saying that because my guy lost. No, this is the second time in 20 years where the person who won the popular vote lost the election. And Trump won because of the Electoral College. But... 
Regardless, it shouldn't even been that close. The fact that he was that close to where he could win the Electoral College shows that there is something wrong with the American population. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it has to do with the fact that we're all segregated in our little echo chambers. Yeah. We're not even accessing the same pool of information. We can't even agree on what the basic facts are anymore. No, let's get into the next uh, deadly sin, which would be deceiver. Oh, yes. All right. It's all started with birtherism. Yes. I mean, so many people... What? I, I think that I saw it was like 20 or 30% of Republicans. Mm-hmm. It might have been higher than that. No, no, no. I think it was like 50% of Republicans at one point actually believed Obama was not an American citizen. Okay? That's Trump pushing that. He is the devil incarnate in that he's constantly peddling lies. He's a slimy propagandist. He's like Russians. He's a full-on disinformer. What was? The, do we know what percentage of, of Republicans thought that he was a? So I'm looking at um, a YouGov poll from December 2017, which is pretty late, actually, right? Yeah, that's way. I mean, 51 percent. That's nutty. That's, That's nutty. nutty. Okay. And to me, that makes the Republican Party the party of evil. I'm sorry. That's the know-nothing party. And, and you know what? It, people keep on bringing up elitism because, oh, that's just some elite liberal who... No. You know what? If you thought ever in your life that Obama was ever not a citizen, mm-hmm. you're a nutcase. Yeah. You, don't, you don't deserve to vote. It's not a matter of being elitist. It's an objective fact. Right. I mean, give me some evidence mm-hmm. to the contrary. There isn't any. Their evidence was, well, the president won't release his birth certificate. Okay. Well, he did. And then it was, well, it's fake. And then I saw videos online where they're trying to prove that the, that it was a fake document. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's so get that, in. that was a huge lie, though. Yeah. that And so many people bought into it. And... I am so fascinated with this Trump-Russia connection and how it so perfectly parallels Trump's campaign of disinformation. It's like Russia's doing it, Trump loves Putin, Mm -hmm. and Russia. Did you read this the other day how half of the things people clicked on on Facebook were actually bots? I think there was, yeah, there was something like 146 million bots. And a huge percentage got to be coming from Russia. Oh, yeah. And I think that's the thing that people need to realize. The Russians were not swinging the election in Hillary Clinton's favor. There was, the exactly. Russians wanted Trump to win. Absolutely. Do you think the Russians wanted Trump to win because they wanted America to be strong? Of course not. Clearly, they thought that Trump would be the candidate to win that they could easily take advantage of or Let's manipulate. make sure we know what Russia has done. They have actually, in today's world, taken over Crimea? Mm-hmm. I mean... Putin doesn't allow basic human rights. Oh, they've assassinated people like that British spy it's, or it's diplomat? It's crazy that Trump would favor this guy. It's nutty. It's a, Okay, again, to the surreal. It's very surreal. I, 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 Ronald Reagan is rolling in his grave. And all those Republicans oh who venerate Reagan. Where are they? Where are you? Because Reagan spent his whole presidency, for good or ill, combating the Cold War, going against Russia. And I think in many respects, you could say that Putin is probably worse than like Gorbachev. Oh, yeah. Right? Gorbachev was a saint compared to Putin. And yet here's Trump kissing up. 
Kissing up to Putin. And you know what? It just goes to show how hypocritical uh, Trump lovers are. I mean, yeah. they would, 10 years ago, they would have been, or even if Hillary won and was super against Putin like she was, she was, as a, as yeah. a secretary of state, she was super anti-Putin. Mm-hmm. They would be like, well, you know what? We got to give it to her. She's right. doing the right thing on, on Putin. But as soon as Trump loved him, they loved him too. Yep. Exactly. It's nutty. So I think I think along with that, so there's the denial. There's been denial that Russia is involved. I think right. he has begrudgingly conceded it, but then he'll like walk it back and then kind of concede it and then walk it back. But I think what's important is to go back to day one. Mm-hmm. That first press conference with Sean Spicer. Right. And what did he do? He came out and he was bragging about how this was like the largest inauguration crowd of all time. This was the largest audience to ever witness an inauguration, period, both in person and around the globe. In other words, the very first tweet was a lie. Yes, the first press conference was a lie. Go look at the pictures. It's not even close. Not even. So and that's that's defined the presidency. From day right. one, lies. Yep. You know, have you watched the Lord of the Rings movies? Of course. Do you remember that one um, King's advisor, Worm Tongue? Yes. That that is Trump to me, to a T. <laughs> mm-hmm. Worm Tongue, Trump. He, but he's the king. That's what Scareball. Yeah, like the advisor has become the king. All right, so let's go on to the next deadly sin, which we, which is ignorance. Trump doesn't know shit. Nothing. He is so ignorant, and this to me is the biggest difference between Hillary and and Trump. Mm-hmm. Hillary, I don't know of any candidate who knew her as well as to Hillary. She was the most prepared candidate for the White House in that our entire history. I don't know that. Can you refute that? No, I do not think you, you can say what you want. I don't think she was a great campaigner. I think she no. was so impassionate. Is that a word? But anyway, she knew her (laughs) And I would much rather know somebody who knew policy and knew facts. So she could be cold. She tried to be, she was not very authentic. Like she tried to like be, you know, connecting with the audience. Like, but her husband totally outshined her in that department. Oh, that was his, that was his forte. Exactly. But that was not her thing. She was the, like the policy wonk. She was the bureaucrat. She knew how stuff worked. Trump is the end. Antithesis to that. Absolutely. He doesn't know anything. And right now, if you're paying attention to the news, his White House has been trying to control him, contain him, and direct him. Mm. He sends out random tweets whenever he wants. He acts totally on impulse. He's firing people who question him. And he's ostracizing Jim Kelly, the only person in the (laughs) White House who's trying to give him some wisdom. Yeah, who knows things. He's so ignorant, he thinks he knows everything. Yeah, but not only is he ignorant, he believes in conspiracy theories. Yes. He is so conspiratorial. He uh, thinks that, for instance, illegal immigrants are changing the voting dynamics of the United States somehow, even though there's not a shred of evidence backing him up. That's been debunked so many times. When you say, in your opinion, millions of illegal votes, what you have presented so far has been debunked. It's been called false. Take a look at the Pew report. I called the author of the Pew report last night. And he told me that they found no evidence really? of voter then fraud. Then why did he write the report? He said no evidence of voter Excuse fraud. Me. Every single news organization, every like PolitiFact, Washington Post, you go down the line, debunked it. Yeah. And he keeps repeating it. Yeah. It's a lie. 
Yeah. And Pete and his followers, I have to say, they don't care. They, they do don't not care. Okay, let's talk about the statement. I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue. Nobody would care. That's like it's the true, statement though. of a fascist. That's the exact statement of a fascist. He could literally do that, and people would go out and defend him. They, because they've got their... This is where we talked before about in racist um, episodes about burying our heads and how psychology mm-hmm. is such a huge... To me, it's all about psychology we are so much more attuned to our gut than our head and i think the scary thing about the trump supporters this is all about the cult of personality yes exactly it's not about his his, what he says it's not about the policies it's not about his tax plan which was horrible for the average person it's about him his style how he says things yep which brings us Perfectly to this next uh, sin. Sin. Narcissism. Okay, we already talked about the dick. I can't believe we're actually talking about the size of a president's dick. We yeah. went there as a country. We did. That's shocking. That talks about, that gets back to this theme. Of, this is surreal. Okay, his hair, his bragging about his intelligence and his IQ. Who does this? Mr. Trump took to Twitter this morning, writing throughout his life, his two greatest assets have been mental stability and, quote, being like really smart. He's constantly saying things like, you know, nobody's nobody knows this better than me. Nobody could do this better than me. I'm the best. I surround myself with the best. Everything he does is the best. Okay. Right? Nobody knows better than him, right? Constantly. He is living in hotels that have his name on them and are like Made out of gold. It's yes. nutty. So that's the thing. <laughs> His, we're getting a little. We're getting pissed, here. pissed off here. His supporters will say things like, "Well, he understands me, right? He understands yeah, yeah. the bull. <laughs> he." On a golden toilet. Yeah. He eats off of golden plates with golden utensils, right? Is it because they aspire to that, that they adore him? I think so. I think there's that kind of like... It's kind of like how uh, poor white Southerners fought the Civil War. Yeah. In hopes that one day maybe they could... To be the <laughs> plantation slaves. owner. Yeah. Exactly. Right? It's exactly right. That's a great analogy. But that's what it is. It's like, I will never be Trump. I will never have a building with my name on it. I will never have three wives. And you will never, like, beep uh, porn stars and be able able to buy them off so they don't talk. Exactly. Right? So he's living this life that they aspire to. Yeah. It's nutty. He's, I think they look at him as being, like, the pinnacle of the American dream. So let's get into this whole idea that, and I really want your opinion on this, how much... Of his impetus was because of this correspondence dinner where Obama just absolutely re- I think I saw bits of it and it was not pretty. You gotta watch the whole thing. I, I should. And you know what? It's so easy to rip him. Before he ran, I when we all thought he was a douchebag. Oh, he is a douchebag. Or yeah. worse. He's like the in the dictionary, he's right next to douchebag. He's Little perfect. Picture. Yeah. So, like, do you think that that that's the main impetus? Like, fifty percent, ten percent, what? I think like ninety percent. Donald Trump is here tonight. Now I know that he's taken some flack lately, but no one is happier. No one is prouder. 
to put this birth certificate matter to rest than the Donald. And that's because he can finally get back to focusing on the issues that matter. Like, did we fake the moon landing? What really happened in Roswell? And where are Biggie and Tupac? I kind of agree. So there's this guy, Roger Stone, and there's a documentary about him on Netflix, I believe. And he's also, um, he makes appearances in um, this Fire and Fury book, right, that I talked about before. And Roger Stone, basically, he, you know, he's been trying to get Trump to run for several election cycles. And Trump... Would, Why? To make fun of him? <laughs> I know, right? No, he legitimately thought Trump would be a good candidate. What? Yes. And so Why? He, he, so since, I think, 2000 or... 19, was it 2000 or 1996? I forget. So since 2000, he's been trying to get Trump to run. And Trump keeps... Thinking about it, he kept thinking about it, couldn't do it, didn't have the fire in his belly. But then he tried to think in 2012, but then he was able to leverage that into, like, celebrity status. And then the dinner? And the dinner came along. I think that's what put the fire in his belly. Mm -hmm. Was standing there, or not sitting there in the audience with President Obama mocking him. Yeah. Right. And it's brutal if you listen to it. He's like, you know, what happens? Yeah. Basically, I, I can't imagine being you because, you know, the other night on The Apprentice, you had to fire Gary Busey. <laughs> God, I couldn't make it was either firing Gary Busey or firing Lil Wayne. I can't imagine being in that situation. Now, here's oh, the hilarious man. here's the hilarious thing about that. So Trump's sitting there. He's offended by the president's words, which were hilarious. President Obama had brilliant timing. If we want to talk about comedy. President Obama. I can't believe I've watched it. Oh, I have. Uh, yeah, he, he's got a he's great got delivery. Great. The crazy thing is, that night was the night that President Obama then went and carried out, well, he himself didn't, but with the team, carried out the Osama bin Laden raid. No and shit. The- what a contrast. So the night of his maybe biggest victory yes. was the night where his sort of. The cap, his the plans came because I mean let's recount some of the Obama things that have gone down not in flames but part ways at least for sure um, taxes oh yeah um, Obamacare has certainly been affected been majorly hamstring hamstrung um, all of Obama's environmental um, policy has just been <laughs> so ruined by Trump we could go on and on but that's the thing it's he's replacing a lot of Obama Obama's Victories, And I think we're seeing, or we will see in hindsight anyway, how this country was dramatically improved under the Obama administration and then harmed thereafter by yeah. Trump. Oh, the, the history is just going to be so damning. Our kids, our grandkids are going to look back and go, what the f*** were you Yeah, smoking? you know what? This episode should be what the f***. It seriously exactly. is is the perfect phrase for what's going on. I mean, it's shocking. No, we had we cannot stop realizing how shocking this all is. It's nutty. So the next deadly sin, and I we might be on six or, or I don't even know, but count, okay, but yeah, it's yeah. a deadly sin. Um, <laughs> would be greed. This whole idea that it seems obvious that Trump has been benefited, especially with his own companies, um, by being president and pursues it, mm-hmm. and might actually lose in this emoluments. Um, case coming before but he is so into money and greed he won't share his own tax um his what's it called he won't share his tax returns yeah 
And when you look at his businesses, time and again, he cheated people. He claimed bankruptcy in some mm. cases so he could avoid paying other people. Mm. Just time and again. And he constantly bragged about how rich he was. I have billions of dollars. I'm a billionaire. Who I mean, does that? Who exactly. brags about how rich they are? That is mm-hmm. so nutty. But see, the evangelicals, this is what kills me. The evangelicals, the fundamentalists, the all these nut jobs who claim to be Christian will support Trump. And the and I think I don't want to get too far down this rabbit hole, but there's a strain of Protestantism called um, the prosperity gospel. Oh gosh, thank you so much. I didn't that didn't even occur to me until right now. That fits so, perfectly with Trump. That's like the Joel Osteen's like mm-hmm. one of the televangelists, this African American minister that just recently got busted. I think for oh, tax yeah. evasion or something like that. His name was Dollar. Oh, kid, goodness. you not. It all began with it. This prosperity gospel is a recent aberration of Christianity in the United States. It can totally prosperity gospel conforms to to American values, basically. It doesn't conform to Christian values. It conforms to American values. Yeah, and it, it began with Oral Roberts, right, in the last century. Mm-hmm. But basically, it's look if you're just a good enough person, if you're a good enough Christian, you're going to get rich. And if you're poor, it's because you're not. You don't I have am enough faith. so glad you got into this, Jose, because how do these people? who claim to live by the Bible, how do they 180 degrees go against, for instance, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes? I mean, it's like you have to be so, so, such a, uh, what's the word for people who... There's like cognitive dissonance. Yeah, there's dissonance and there's denial and there's just complete... It's a lack of self-awareness. Yeah, it's just nutty. So basically, you know, the whole prosperity gospel goes against Christianity. It's it's actually a heresy. The Catholic Church is absolutely because it says, look, if you just believe enough, if you pray enough, if you give enough money to your church or give enough money to Joel Osteen, you'll be rich. Yeah. Right? But the Christian faith, the central tenet of Christianity is Jesus Christ died on a cross. When he was crucified, he was not a millionaire or a billionaire. He was poor, right? He wasn't in the best health, right? All these all these things that are myths of the American tradition, story, folklore, story. tradition, yeah, yeah, are not found in Christianity. They are absolutely 180 degrees opposed. So when you look at Christ humiliated and yet on the cross still forgiving his um, oppressors, that's totally antithetical to Trump and all these other prosperity gospel preachers and whatnot. Totally, 100%. We have to bring up one of my favorite um, verses in the Bible, which is when you're hit on one cheek, you turn your cheek. Can you ever, in your wildest imagination, imagine Trump turning the cheek? No. He hits back and he yeah, has to hit back exactly. harder. Exactly. That's the whole deal. You know what? Obama didn't always turn the cheek, but he was more into like, you know what? Let's deal with this logically. Let's deal with this. Let's actually deal with the practicalities of this. Oh, man. We are in a crazy dream. It's bizarre. Yeah. All right. The next deadly sin that Trump embodies is power. Like his... Non 
disclosure statements. We have to get into the fact that he manipulates his relationships with these ladies by making them sign. Of course, he doesn't make them. He just offers so much money that it's virtually impossible for them to say no. And I wonder if this all this tradition of non-disclosure, which we can have a whole episode on this, is just going by the wayside. Um, He just bullies people and powers them into submission by money, which kind of goes with mm-hmm. greed. It does. And so if you look at his history, basically, he believes with lawyers and money, he can elbow his way into power. Yep. He did that in New York, right? He made he was buddy-buddy with the mayor of New York and then Ed Koch. Is it Koch or Koch? I think it's Koch. Ed, Ed <laughs> Mayor Koch came along and said... Koch. I, I think it's Koch. I can't remember. He came into power and they butted heads and... Trump, a lot of times, won. Yeah. Right? Because he was able to, he had money, he yeah. had wealth, and he had power, and he had all these lawyers, and they were to strong arm the city council many times yeah. to approving these deals. Yeah. And that's been his MO his entire life. So with these women, and I, I'll say this, those women both came out and said that they were not victims. So it's not like a hashtag me right. too thing. Right. They, I think they were attracted to his quote-unquote power. Oh, I totally agree. And they, you know, did their... Did the nasty with them or whatever, and and then their lawyers are like, okay, well, we can't have you guys going out there and sharing your story, so we'll right. pay you off. And, right. um, and I think Trump has always had his lawyers do his dirty work, and so that's why if you look at Stormy Daniels' non-disclosure agreement, Trump didn't sign it. Right. And I think that's going to come home to roost. Right? I can't wait. This whole Cohen episode mm-hmm. is going to be really interesting how it plays out. So. A final deadly sin. I think we might be on the eighth, which is perfect. It's like number eleven on Spinal Tap, but we're on number eight. Yeah, is creepiness. That is so creepy. Yeah, the whole idea that yeah they love it when we grab their mm-hmm. is just creepy. Because and he's there's a celebrity. yeah exactly. And, and his life is replete with creepiness. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab him by the. Is that a deadly? Is that a word in the Bible? Creepiness. What's no. the word for that? <laughs> I don't know. There's a biblical term for it, but it's, he's definitely creepy. Oh no, I know. In the Bible, they say slimy. Slimy. Yes. There you go. I'll, yeah. I'll accept yeah. slimy. Yes. So the the grabs of the infidelity after real close. I think after the birth of his kids. <laughs> you know, yeah. the sleeping with porn stars. I mean, the three wives. If your wife, and I'm not really super strong on this, I totally believe in divorce. And it happens all the time where it doesn't mm-hmm. work out with your wife. Right, right. But I think Trump likes wives because he wants something new. Not yeah. because it's not working working out or you're just incompatible. There's a there's a newer, shinier thing. Yes. Exactly. And he's all about shininess. And so if you look, you know, his first wife, what was her name? Ivana. Yep. And she was a model. And then when she was getting older, yep. she was coming into her own, and she started managing some of the businesses, like the yeah. Trump Casino. Yeah, I gotta get out of that. Screw her. Yep. I'm going to move on to Marla. Marla Maples. Marla. Well, I got Marla Maples knocked up, so I'm going to marry her. Yep. Ooh, then here comes Melania. I didn't know that. Is that right? She, he got her pregnant. I'm surprised that he even cared. And then after that, moved on to Melania. Yep. So it's always the newer, bigger, better yep. thing. And even when he was married to Melania, 
Stormy Daniels, the yeah. Playboy Bunny, and I'm sure there's other. Oh my gosh, how many? I mean, there's so many I'm that sure. we don't know about that just aren't talking because of mm-hmm. the uh, the things they signed and the money they got. And I don't blame. Them. I mean, I'm not indicting them, but right. yeah. oh man. But we have to before we before we end though, we have to talk about. The Russia investigation. Absolutely. So, and Trump is trying to weasel, as he does, his way out of this. But what it boils down to is time and again during the campaign, the people who worked for him, from Paul Manafort to Jared, all the people in his campaign, were trying to get in touch with Russia. And even Trump himself, during one of the campaign stops, said, Russia, go ahead and investigate Hillary. Use WikiLeaks. Get out more information. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails, I think you will probably be rewarded mightily by our press. And all you have to do is take a look at WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks! I love WikiLeaks. Oh, we love WikiLeaks. Boy, they have really... WikiLeaks! They have revealed a lot. We've learned so much from WikiLeaks. These WikiLeaks... WikiLeaks. Oh, WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks, some new stuff. Some brutal stuff. I may not read it to you, but the hell with it. Just trust me, it's real bad stuff. The press is hardly even talking about WikiLeaks. You know that WikiLeaks is amazing. They were trying to get in touch with Russia to benefit their campaign. Do you think it was more for the facts and the data that they had on on Hillary through WikiLeaks and, and stuff like that? Or do you think it was money or both? I think there's also some shady deals. Because, you know, Trump... Like business deals for the Trump company? Yes. So That's there, just that he cares about that when he's running for, what, 300 million people in the United States is freaking bullshit. But I don't, here's the thing, I don't think he thought he'd win. No, yeah, I agree. He thought he would lose. Yeah. So in that Fire and Fury book, That's they mentioned the several times he thought he was going to lose. Yeah. He was already talking to Roger Ailes about um, starting a new either television show or network to where he could leverage his fame from that into some kind of new business. And then he oh, won. the depths we have fallen into. Yes. But then he couldn't admit, like, well, yeah, you know what? I made these connections with Russia. I wanted to, you know, get information from them. And then maybe I wanted some business dealings. But then when he became president and then James Comey at the FBI started to do investigations, he fired him. <laughs> that is clearly obstruction of justice. Yeah. And then his campaign, his team, his White House were trying to say, well, no, 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 no. He fired Comey because there was this letter from, you know, the deputy Rosenstein, I think the a deputy attorney general, Rosenstein or Rosenstein, who basically said, we'll fire Comey because he bungled the Hillary thing. Yeah. And then, he, But then he came out and said, no, I fired him because he was investigating the Russia stuff. He actually admitted to a constitutional illegality. Yes. You know what? Good on, though, these Republicans who say if he fires Mueller mm-hmm. or if he tries to fire Rosenstein. Rosenstein. Is it Rosen yeah. Rosen? Rosenstein, yeah. Is it? Is that? I think it's Rod Rosenstein. Was that um, Caddyshack or what? Rosen Rosen? Or I, I don't know. <laughs> and may I help you, Dr. Uh, uh, oh, it's me, Dr. Rosen Phoenix. I'm just here to check Dr. out the Damwick's file. Dr. Rosen, Rosen, I'm here to get to the record. Again, so I... It's Dr. Rosen. Uh, that um, good on those guys, the Republicans that are saying, you know what? If he fires Rosenstein or Mueller, he, that's the end of his presidency. And good for them. Yeah. And there've been some Republicans who've come out and basically said to, uh, I think it was the Washington Post today, basically said, "Why don't we f- don't impeach him?" Literally with the F word in there. Did they give their names? See, that's the anonymous. thing about it. They never give their names, do they? It was anonymous. Oh reason, my gosh. The reason why they said was because you're seeing the rats fling the ship 
Paul Ryan said, I'm not seeking re-election. You see Republican, like Trey Gowdy. Yeah. Republican after Republican is like, I'm not running for re-election. Yeah. And so these other Republicans are like, our ship is sinking. Yeah. Let's impeach him. Yeah, yeah. I, they would be way better off. I hope. And the reason I say that is because I was so cocksure, mm-hmm. and I mean that in every sense of the word, that Trump was going down in flames. Don't say Yeah. That's the problem. No, that's the perfect word here, cocksure, and I deserve to be penalized the way I am because I didn't listen to our colleague Mm -hmm. in thinking that this guy's a farce. He's a clown. He's a charlatan. And you know what? I have to bring this up again. This is a thing I keep on bringing up. I had too much faith in the American people. I really did. I I used to be pretty much an optimist, mm-hmm. and I used to I used to think a lot better of our country before mm-hmm. the election. And now, and I can't help but think, God, we're not very great as a country. We yeah. deserve the people. Somebody said somewhere, I can't remember who yeah. it was, is that we deserve the people we elect. Oh, it's totally true. Yeah. And I think when we look at Trump and his appeal to evangelicals or his appeal to poor or struggling white voters, there, you know, Dick Cheney, <laughs> Dick Cheney <laughs> at the height of the Iraq war, someone asked him about like the, um, you know, the insurgents, yeah. like, ah, the war, they're just in the, the, the you know, the death throes, yeah. right? They're at the yeah. end, but you know, lo and behold, they were at the height, yeah. right? I feel like the same way. Our culture is changing. The demographics are changing. And I think so many people in this country are anxious about how things are demographically changing. And I think that white America feels like they're in the death. Is this a black president? We have all these minorities. This has a lot to do with race, doesn't it? Totally. It's interesting. And I think all these people people in the central part of the country are so worried. You don't have to worry. I said it before and Mm -hmm. I'll say it again. These people are awesome. The the people in the middle of the country are. No, I mean the people coming in that they're scared of. Yes. But the people who live, who are in the middle of the country, you know, they're the the salt of the earth, so to speak. Right, right. But they're afraid of the people who are coming across the border. Yeah, it's different. And they shouldn't be. Right. Because these people in. I've seen article after article about how fields and crops are rotting mm-hmm. because they don't have employees. They don't have workers to um, pick their crops. Do we want that? No, we don't want that. Nobody in the United States wants those jobs. It's true. That's mm-hmm. not a cliche. It's totally true. So, but I think looking forward, Joel, I, I'm actually optimistic. All right. Now, we can't say we're optimistic without talking about how wrong we were. That's what scares me about being optimistic. I'm totally an optimist by heart. I Mm -hmm. mean, in my heart, I'm an optimist. But now I'm worried about being an optimist. I don't want to be uh, this. It's like (laughs) I don't want to be. I don't want to be cheated on. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to be cheated on by the next guy. And and so if you tell me for sure, you know that Uh, that he's going down in flames because there's nothing that's going to scare me or that's going to ruin me more than if he gets elected again. And I totally think there's there's a chance of that. Right. So. I think one, Where are we? we have to blame the American people. It should not have been that close. And I hold liberals responsible. You know what, liberals? You f***ed up. You should have voted for Hillary. Trump was so uniquely unfit for the office. Whatever you have to say about Hillary. Exactly. Yeah. It's not even close. Because Hillary at least was in the right direction. Yeah. You could have at least given her pressure. Yeah. Held her feet to the fire. And she would have moved more in your direction. Be wise, Trump. People. Total 180. All the gains you made with Obamacare, 
you know, because Obamacare really was, I think, like the first step toward universal health insurance. Right. right? And by the way, there are a bunch of Republicans who are going to go down Mm -hmm. because they were anti where now people are like, wait, of course we need universal health care. It's a no brainer. And every country, every great country on earth has it. We're super rich. It's not a giveaway. We f***ed up. Basically. Reagan wanted it. Exactly. Yeah. And with guns and on and on. Oh, yeah. But the other thing, we have to hold the media accountable. And mm. and we as media consumers have to be held accountable, too. Because, and I'll, I'll say, I'm, I was totally guilty. Like, oh, my God, these debates are fucking hilarious. Because yeah. look at what they're doing. Yeah. And it became entertainment. Yeah. But all it ended up doing was bolstering Trump and giving him more, I guess, visibility. Oh, yeah. And the hits, the views were off the charts. Exactly. And so that actually ended up bolstering his chances. No, it's Instead weird. Instead of us just going, you know what? You know what? We had to cut him off. You're yeah. done. Well, I'll give him one thing in this whole episode. I'll give him one thing. We talk about Kennedy being a media master and, and Obama just totally relying on the new media and Obama relying on Facebook and yeah. social media. And now... I give Trump mm-hmm. credit for just dominating the whole, and it's two words, new cycle. Yeah. He dominated it. He's like the, he's like the batter crowding the plate. And it's, it's sad. You know? I hope the companies um, won't do that again. I, ho- I hope they learn a lot. But they're really on it now. The media, I feel like, has like come into, the, their, into their position, right? Into their role as the fourth estate, if you will. Yeah. Right? Where they're holding their feet to the fire. They're asking the tough questions. No, they are. You're right. That they should have done during the campaign, and they did. Because yeah. it was all like a spectacle. It's all happening with Facebook and, and Zuckerberg on Congress. And mm-hmm. um, people saying, why did we allow so much fake news? And that's the thing. The fake news. And Trump is like a huge purveyor He's of the it. the devil. Back to that theme, he is the <clears throat> deceiver. Totally the Antichrist. And when I say Antichrist, I mean the deceiver. antithetical. Exactly. He's the deceiver, and he's an antithetical to, to Christ and to his whole gospel. So what, what are we doing now? I mean, it's, it's kind of good news what's happening. What's happened since then? Okay, so whereas we... I'm sorry, I've had a lot to drink, so I'm using a lot of profanity. I'm making more work for myself by editing. (laughs) But I will say this. Our students, I know I can speak for my students, and I'm sure you can speak for your students, all just cannot stand Trump. I I can't help but think there's a tidal wave coming. But again, I'm scared for thinking that way. But see, like, these kids, think about it, 2020 is a few years away. But a lot of these kids are going to be old enough to vote. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the kids in Parkland, Florida, will be able to vote in 2018. The tidal wave will come not just necessarily from the people who can vote now, but from the people who are going to be of voting age. Yeah, they're disgusted. Exactly. So you look at the Parkland students. There was that shooting that killed 17 students and teachers. And they were able to, in a short period of time, organize rallies across the country. Yeah. Organize one of the Biggest rallies. By the way, their their march on Washington, D.C., bigger than Trump's inauguration. Oh, it wasn't even close. Not even close. Look at the pictures. And they they are the future. And, and we have that march. We have the Women's March. Mm-hmm. We have um, the March for Science. That yeah. was cool, which is so... I mean, talk. we could get into science and how anti-Trump science is, or how anti-science Trump is. Yeah. Um, we have Democrats who have won seats that 
Nobody expected. Oh, yeah. um, it's happening here and there. But again, we can't be complacent. We can't expect like I we both did yeah. before Trump got elected. We I guess the theme another theme is complacency. Yeah. We have to go out and actually do the work. We have to I mean, I'm gonna do I'm gonna get on phones. I'm gonna actually get involved in a campaign this time because I am scared that Trump's going to win again. Yeah, and, and thankfully Trump is only polling at 50% right now. Mm-hmm. In uh, I think it's historically low, no? It's super low. Yeah. And, uh, you know, across the country, he's like in the low 30s, low to mid 30s. Yeah. I think he's like peaked like 40, 42%, but he's consistently into like the low mid 30s. Yeah. No, it's historical. Yeah. So the eight or nine or seven deadly sins we just um, went through should hopefully convince everybody to not just vote against him, but get involved. I think it takes more nowadays. Yeah. And I know there are people who are listening probably who support Trump. And I I, I don't know if what we said no. was able to sway you. At this you. point, I don't either. I don't think there's but anything. You have Because there's pride involved. And, yes. and they're, they're prideful and they're, they're calling us elitists. So that's fine. And I think people are finally, I think some people are turning the corner. And I think especially with all these, um, Trump's talk about trade war with China, there are these farmers like the soybean farmers, for yeah. example. They're freaking out. Yeah. Because if we impose these tariffs on China and then China turns around and imposes tariffs on us. We're screwed. We're screwed. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who are, who supported Trump and like you look at these people who live in border towns where Trump's talking about building his wall, you know, they're going to do eminent domain to take that land. Yep. And I think there's a lot of people who are like, oh, shoot. It sounds all good and well on the radio. It sounds good on Fox and Friends. But in actuality, it's not a good idea. Hits them where they live. Exactly. So I I just encourage people. Do something about it. If you're living in the fantasy land, you got to let the fantasy go. Wake up. Trump is not a good person. If you are as passionate as we are against him, just do something. Don't just vote against him, but do something bigger than that. Yeah. So in this segment of our show, Joel and I will each share one thing that we have been reading or listening to or watching um, in this previous week. So, Joel, you're up first. So my article of the week, this time I'm going to go away from music and away from books. and I'm going to go to The Great Atlantic Magazine and uh, point you all towards an article called The Scientific Paper is Obsolete. Here's what's next. It's by James Somers, and I just thought it was outstanding. I had to do a freaking a paper for my master's degree, and I couldn't believe that I had to publish it in paper. And I had all kinds of data that could have been so manipulatable online, and that's not even a possibility in today's world because we are stuck in the past. And this article brings up this idea that everything nowadays, especially STEM articles, 
should be super manipulatable, super hyperlinkable, oh, yeah. and allow us to to use their formulas to put in data and see how it man- manipulates our data mm-hmm. and how the paper research paper is so obsolete. And this is really brought out the idea that right after Gutenberg invented the press, there were all these iterations of information mm-hmm. on papers through like brochures and foldables and, and whatever. And it wasn't until like a hundred, literally a hundred years later that they developed this perfect vehicle, the book, where you can flip right. pages and see things on both sides. And that's kind of where we are in research. We need to move to research papers online and where the formulas are manipulatable and we're hyperlinkable and where we can actually use the data to extend the research. So just go out and, and, and please read. It's called The Scientific Paper is Obsolete. It's in the Atlantic. So you know Gutenberg's first printing was the Bible? Wow. Of course, the most read paper, but that he didn't do something before that, that is crazy. That's the first. That went for like, not billions, but but seriously, hundreds of millions of dollars, the first Gutenberg Bible. Yeah, when when they sold that. That's crazy. And you know what? It's weird how that was like, in a way, a scientific... progress mm-hmm. because it, it totally what would force the common man to learn to read oh i get to learn to read the bible exactly. i'm learning to read uh-huh. so that totally pushed mankind forward exactly yeah that's crazy but that's weird so this week i've been um reading pope francis's exhortation called gaudet uh, et exultate i read parts of it it's so uh, good it's so good so i mentioned this last week and I think my my predictions were a little on. He doesn't talk about atheism as much as I thought he would, but nonetheless, he does talk a lot about how each one of us, yeah, in our lives, can be holy, and regardless the, I, of where you're at. And and in reading it, the idea that we all are super unique. Yes, that's cool. And I. I Found some quotes that were to me that stood out. You know, this, and then we mentioned Trump earlier, and this quote goes right to that, and it goes against the prosperity gospel. It's so popular in oh, so many circles. I'm so glad you brought up that prosperity bullshit. It's, you know, they, they focus on the wealth of the Bible, but they're reading it literally. There's nothing in the Bible about getting rich. Nothing. The rich have such a hard time getting into heaven, the Bible. Exactly. Jesus even says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven, not on earth. But Pope Francis writes, wealth ensures nothing. Indeed, once we think we are rich, we can become so self-satisfied that we have no room for God's word, for the love of our brothers and sisters, or for the enjoyment of the most important things in life. In this way, we miss out on the greatest treasure. Oh, I love it. That is why Jesus calls, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, those who have a poor heart, for there the Lord can enter with his perennial newness. Yeah. The, the greatest things in my life for sure has nothing to do with money. Exactly. And this is so key to this whole Trump phenomena. It is. And the other thing I thought was super important was, you know, in a lot of Christian circles and in conservative Catholic circles, there's this idea that the issue that trumps all issues is abortion. Trumps all issues is abortion. Exactly. And that's another thing, too, is Trump pretends now that he's pro-life. And so I think a lot of Christian voters thought, well, he's pro-life, so I can vote for him. Well, of course, he's just yeah. lying. He's, he's not pro-life, pro-life. because it helps him get elected. Exactly. But Pope Francis— Never used to be. Never used to be, exactly. 
Pope Francis, in his exhortation, says we can't just care about the unborn, right? Yeah. We have to defend the unborn. It has to be a firm and passionate defense, but we have to also care for the poor, those people who are already born, the Amen. destitute, Amen. the abandoned, the underprivileged, the vulnerable, the migrants, all these people. So it's not just abortion. It's all these other social issues, right? So we have to uphold justice everywhere, and we have to confront injustice And we can do that in our daily lives. Absolutely. But the key is each of us can be holy in our lives. You know, he he points out, you know, we don't have to do great things to be holy. We can do ordinary things in a great way, right? So if you're going to... That was the uniqueness, yeah. I I, I dig that part of it. You know, just opening the door for someone. Yeah. Helping someone out in small ways. Picking up trash. Exactly. Yep. These small acts of kindness, these small acts of holiness, really, can change the world, right? And um, the other... And one last thing I'll mention is that was so important to me was... You know, we live in a digital world now. We have social media everywhere. You know, this podcast is online. Pope Francis says we can also be holy on Facebook. We can be holy on Twitter in how we engage one another. Because people so often are trolls. They're mean. And they'll say things to people online that they would not dare say to people in person. And he says it's a form of verbal violence. All right. Are we being That's hypocritical so... by um, coming down so hard on... And maybe we should apologize. Seriously, I have no problem saying right now, if I've demeaned, and I have during this podcast, Trump supporters, I shouldn't. Because the only way that we're ever going to see it eye to eye is not to demean people, but to say, hey, listen, you, for whatever reason, came to that conclusion. Mm -hmm. I don't, I think it's nutty. And is that demeaning? And and we probably need to, to, is that too much? Is we need so, maybe to tone that down. In Christianity, there's something called the rebuke, the admonishment. When someone is going astray, you need to point it out to them. And we have to remember that when Jesus went to Jerusalem and he saw the temple being used as a market, he went in there and he was flipping tables. He lost and he it. He was whipping people with clothes. No, he lost it. So are you saying it's the how we do it? It's not necessarily the how. It's the what. What are we doing it for? Oh, okay. It's what is undergirding, I guess. What is the foundation of our anger? Is it an anger that's self-righteous? Or is it an anger that comes from encountering injustice? Okay, good. Because That's the difference. I have a hard time, and I think this is one of the main problems I'm going through. Because I believe in being nice to people. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time telling people who voted for Trump, Oh, it's okay. Because... Their vote is causing legitimate, real harm. And I don't see how you get past his Mm -hmm. deadly sins. You can't. Yeah. And I think people who are voting for Trump need to read the Bible again. Yeah. They need to look at Christ's example again. Yeah, that's the perfect way to end this because we need to juxtapose Trump and Jesus. Exactly, 100%. So if you want to know who to follow, it ain't Trump. Yep. If regardless of your beliefs of whether or not Jesus was God incarnate, you should follow Jesus. Yeah, he's a good man. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us on our humble little podcast. 
You could do us a huge favor by subscribing to our show wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, iTunes. Be sure to rate our show. Please leave a review. We love them. Your rating will help others find the show. And be sure to find us on Facebook, Instagram, Conversations on Tap, anywhere. Thank you so much for listening. And we will speak to you next week. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh, that's nice. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's nice.